I'm Matt Garrow-Fisher and this is the Burn From Within show. Each week I interview inspiring people who have changed their career or life to light up inside. So if you want to get excited about your Mondays, work on meaningful projects and have more time for the passions and people that matter to you, stay tuned. On this episode, I talk to Malia Griggs. Malia is a writer, an editor, a social storyteller. And on this episode, she discusses her story of burnout. She's worked at the Daily Beast, Comedy Central and Cosmopolitan in New York City. And about a year before this interview, she was in a very, very busy role at the Daily Beast as director of social media. One moment enough was enough. Her physical health had deteriorated, her mental health had suffered for a while, she was on a downward spiral. Stress was immense. Being connected 24-7 to a job that was her whole identity and having little balance for other things in her life took its toll. She was totally burnt out and finally decided to quit her job. So I decided to catch up with Malia nine months after leaving her job to find out more about her experience in stopping work due to extreme burnout. We discuss symptoms of burnout and opportunities that you might be missing to look after your own health because of a super busy workload. The real after effects of burnout on your life and career and lessons learnt what Malia would have done differently in her job looking back, what to look out for to avoid burnout in your next job, and the importance of self-care, how to practice it, and playing different roles that can really help. Since this interview has been recorded, Malia has gone on to find a new job as commerce editor at self.com. Now, I hope this candid sharing of a real burnout experience motivates you to take action so you can avoid such a toll on your health and relationships. There'll be more details at the end of the show of ways to contact myself and Malia to discuss any burnout issues that you might be experiencing. The full show notes and videos of other interviews are available at burnfromwithin.com forward slash interviews. So listen all the way through and enjoy. Last year, you were at a very busy job as director of social media. And there was the moment where I remember reading an article that you wrote about you receiving Slack messages and then you started to basically weep. And I think you asked yourself, what is this all for? What is this all for? And then that was the moment where you decided, that's it, I'm quitting. Maybe take us back to that moment. What was that like and what was going on in your experience then? Yeah, actually, I was sitting at the same table I'm at now. I was sitting here and I, it was a period where someone had just left on my team from burnout. And when that person who I'd hired and who I cared about a lot gave notice, the reasons that she voiced to me for leaving, I could hear all of the similarities for what I was experiencing. So she said, it's a very thankless role. I like my team. I love a lot of my coworkers, but it's a, it's an invisible job and we're working around the clock in a very punishing news cycle. And it's just it feels like, what is this for? And this is what she said to me, essentially. And when she said it, I, I couldn't really say to her as her boss, I'm really going through the same thing. But I just said, I know, I, I completely understand. And she also had some health concerns as well, which I identified with. And so that happened. And I think March. And I think when that happened, I just, I had come off of this last spurt of energy where I was really trying at my job. I'd come back from this great motivating leadership conference for women in digital media. And I was trying to put all these different projects together and to see some different goals through. And when she left, I just, I realized that the burnout that I had been feeling wasn't getting better and that my job was going to be to hire on top of everything else, which is a boss's job, of course, but then you factor in the news cycle and then you're basically, I was basically like 
on call 24 seven. So every time there was any sort of a mass shooting or any sort of breaking news alert, I would need to be on top of it. Hearing that what, what happened over the next few weeks is that I was then hiring around the clock. I think I worked like 13 or 14 just straight days. And when I say all day, it's I'm, I'm on my phone from 8 a.m. until 11 p.m. every day. I have a staff and they're also on, but if the news cycle is at all intense or if anyone gets sick, there was no reinforcement. Like I would be the one filling in, which again, I understood was my role, but I thought maybe I'm not the person for this job. I had been diagnosed with epilepsy and working in the same place a couple of years before that. And I had never really taken a proper medical leave. I think the one that I should have taken then and so all of these things were just coming together at one time. And so I was on my computer. There was not a major moment. I don't remember what the person said to me on Slack that triggered me, but I had been working from home for maybe two weeks straight because commuting even was exhausting. And so I was asking to just work remotely while I was covering different people's shifts. And I had been on enough crying well, I guess I hadn't been crying until that point. So that was the first time I really broke down. And I, I did say out loud, what is this all for? What am I doing? I really care about the news and I care about getting stories to people and storytelling. And I care about the people that I'm managing and my coworkers, but I had been putting off my own mental health for so long and the things I needed to do to just manage my own anxiety and my burnout and I realized that at some point it had to be me. Some, at some point I would have to be the one that was quitting and leaving because the second I hired someone else in my team would inevitably quit because I knew that they were, the rest of them were not very happy either. And yeah. Did you realize you were like on, on a unsustainable path? Is yeah. that kind of a point, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I was definitely burned out between my pre the jobs I'd had prior, I was burned up after Cosmo and I was burned out leaving uh, my job at Comedy Central going into news. But I was very, I was, I'm still young, but I was younger and I was very afraid of not having a job and working in media industries. They're also rife with layoffs. So there's that stress, but also just living in New York, working in media, having a quote, cool job title, and then being surrounded with people who really appear to be hustling at all times. It's very intimidating. And especially, I think social media doesn't, doesn't help. And over the past decade, we've increasingly seen that pressure, especially on Instagram, on Twitter as well, on Facebook. You see the pressure of what everyone else is doing because they're posting what they're doing and you're feeling like you're not doing enough. And so you push yourself harder. And I was pushing myself harder. And so all of this burnout had just layered itself, but I was not taking breaks. The time that I took off, and it's the US, so you don't have, we don't have much time off. The time that I was taking off, if I wasn't seeing my family, which not always relaxing, love them, but not always relaxing, I was traveling and trying to see my friends and go on trips because that's what I really wanted to be doing. Anyway, it's what any of us probably want to be doing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I just didn't take time off. And so it all just, bubbled up over time. And then I, so then I got epilepsy in 2017, the summer of 2017, I, I had been working, I guess I should say, I started working in breaking news the summer of 2016, which was leading into the election, the presidential election. And that was, I definitely, I burned out in that year because I was, had just, was new to working such an, a new cycle and especially such an intense new cycle. I don't know if you remember the summer of 2016, at least in the States, it was like everyone was on Facebook and it was just constant noise, a bit like what I think Instagram is a little bit like these days and Twitter, but it was just constant noise. But it, there was like, at least in the media world, there was a bit of an undercurrent of excitement, I felt, the election day. And then election day happened and the news cycle got more intense. And then so the following year, I ended up having a seizure on the subway. It was stress-induced. And then within the same month, I had another seizure. I hit my head and I got a concussion and a black eye. So I did take about three weeks of medical leave then, but I think mostly it was to heal my black eye and 
I, I went home and saw my parents and I didn't really stay in one place. And then I meet pretty much immediately in the next few months, I became my boss left and I was promoted to being director of social. So this was the end of 2017. And so I didn't address the epilepsy or the underlying stress from the epilepsy, which was caused by anxiety and from burnout. And then I just, I took on more responsibility and I kind of went underground. I bought an apartment at around the same time as well, which I, as a first time homeowner, I didn't anticipate somewhat naively how intense that would be and moving and just getting that all together would be. And yeah, all, everything just was, I, I wasn't seeing my friends. I wasn't, I was, I think I was not a pleasant person to be around and I was, I, I couldn't cook. I wasn't exercising. I, you know, I had, I just, it was, it, it was, it just got to a point where I couldn't, I, I knew I wanted to see a therapist. I knew I wanted to be taking better care of myself. But I felt like I, I couldn't do what I was doing and do that. And I couldn't change jobs because I couldn't figure out what job I should move to that wouldn't cause the same problem if I didn't seriously take time. And I didn't think that two weeks would be enough. I didn't think that two weeks between new two jobs would be enough. I knew I needed more. So I felt like quitting was really the only option <laughs> um, if I wanted to maintain any semblance of my health. So now looking back, if you're in that position now, what would you do differently in order to maybe stay in your job? Would you do anything differently to be able to do that? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that now, especially that I, I'm a little over nine months out from my job and I feel much better than I did. Not like 100%, especially given how the world is right now, but definitely have more perspective. And I think I know now that I could not and I'm taking this mentality into my job search now. I think it's two things. One is that now that I've had the experience of being a manager and being the one who makes the, the postings for jobs and being on that side and who goes through the, the resumes and the cover letters, I think I have a better understanding looking at a job description of what that job description actually might entail. I also know having worked several jobs in media and social media that having a cool title may not equate much financially or much for your mental health. Um, but looking back, now that you're looking back, yeah. what, what would you do differently in order to be able to perhaps stay in that job? Is there anything right. you could have done differently to change maybe your, your work schedule or say yes. something to your boss or even something to do with your home routine yeah. so that it, yeah, it yeah. might be more of a sustainable right. job or career? I Yes, I wish that I had created more emotional distance between myself and my work. And I think that some of that was because I felt like I was my job. And even now I'm, that's something I'm struggling with. Who am I without my job, without a title and creating that emotional distance, making it just matter a little less because it, and, and knowing, reminding myself that it's not, that your job, my job is not all of of who I am. I think I would have really tried, I would wish I had gone back and really made more time to find a therapist. I had, I saw a couple people and I completely understand that it is very hard on top of everything you do to find someone and let alone find someone that you click with. But I, I think that if I had spent more time finding someone that worked for me in the periods where things weren't so bad, I would have been better equipped when, you know, work got more intense. I think also I didn't, advocate enough for myself. I didn't speak up for myself enough. And I wish that I had, I, um, I, I did, I did escalate issues to my bosses over time. And so some of my burnout was because I felt like I saw certain problems repeat themselves and then never get fixed, no matter what amount of, no amount of paper trail would be enough for some issues. But I, I wish that I had, I, I don't know. I think I wish I had stood up for myself more, but also realized that I was, equal to the people that I work with. I think I, I definitely had and have imposter syndrome to a degree. And that affected me feeling like, like my voice would be valued or that my concerns would be valued. That said, there were times that I did express myself and it felt like it didn't really matter. So I, there's to a degree, there's only so much you can do, but 
yeah, I think going into whatever I do next, I will be taking this, looking to create emotional distance, but also looking for, I'll be going into my interviews and asking questions. So how, what does an average workday look like for you? What times do people generally sign on and sign off? What's the culture of the office or the things that you value? I think those are things that I wasn't asking in interviews earlier. You raised quite an interesting point about you're not your job. You're not your job. And I, I speak to quite a few people who, particularly when they're in transition in between jobs, some people, they feel lost when they're not in a job. And, they're, and they're, they're, I spoke to a friend who's who was sitting at home. He was on gardening leave in transition and he, he just didn't know what to do. He said, I, I don't know what to do without it. Oh. Gardening leave is when you when you're in between two jobs and you're, okay. you're given some some okay. period in between in, in in Europe it's called and uh, people don't some people don't know who they are like when they're not in a job it's like an identity issue what, who were you when you were in that job and who are you now yeah I thought of myself as there being like a work Malia and then just home Malia and when especially when I was promoted. I remember thinking, I can't command a team where everyone, I look younger than everyone. I'm tech, I'm actually older, but so I went out and I remember I bought clothing that I felt made me look more like a boss. And I came to work and some of my coworkers made fun of me for a while, but then they got used to it. I had, I bought a pair of heels that I put under my desk and I bought just like fancier clothing than the flannel shirts I was wearing to work with my, just my jeans. And that kind of helped me take on this mindset and put on that costume. But then I think that costume extended beyond just being a costume to a degree. So I felt like I was acting away. I mean, there are elements of my humor that were there. I, mean, I like injecting humor in, into my candor work, but I just, I felt like the really, the true, the truly goofy essence of myself was gone. The things that, I don't know, that made me creative, we're gone. I used to love writing and I do love writing, but I used to really love writing and then photography and painting and drawing and acting. And I was into improv for a bit and I wanted to do stand up and all of these things I felt like I didn't have time to do because I was, my job was just taking up so much of my energy. The time that it, a lot of nights I had to be home, if there was a debate or any sort of political event, or if it was the Oscars or, which again, this is par for course. But then when you add on the insanity of having mass shootings all the time, it's just becomes, and then the impeachment, it's just a lot. It's a lot for any journalist and it's a lot for someone who's covering social media. And then on top of that, social media is more than it sounds. Yeah. They're the, I think the essential parts of me were the things that I loved when I was a little younger and then couldn't, didn't have any space for. So I guess... Yeah, now I have more time. I have lots of time for that. People's mm -hmm. like quarantine activities are just my daily life now. So <laughs> yeah. What would be like an ideal work week for you now? Is that of all of these elements of uh, your, of who you really are? Um, yeah. You want to have them in your work week? Is that important? I think what I'm looking for now, and I think I also expect that my needs are going to change over time. I think I, this experience has made me think a little less about the pressure of, I have to be in a job and I have to be promoted in that job and then promote and then keep moving and going up this ladder. And I'm starting to accept that maybe I'm not going up a ladder. I'm just changing different, you know, professions. I think a lot of us, a lot of millennials are, are going through that, especially living in the city. And I think relieving myself of the pressure of, I have to get promoted. I have to, that kind of that's helped. Uh, I had a lot of that leading up to this, but after this, I'm accepting whatever I do next may not be, might be a new kind of job or, but I, I guess what I would be looking for is more structure. I'm looking, I think more for a nine to five, not like a nine to five, but just that I need to have structured sign in and sign out times. I, when I'm off the clock, I want to be off the clock and I would like to, I want a job where it seems like that would be the case. So I think that means that not breaking news, a job that has deadlines that you can see in advance and projects that you can work on. And I'm looking for more ownership as well. I think as a, I really like managing, but with coming 
the problem with being a manager, or I guess the trade-off is often you can't be as creative as you'd like to be. And so I think I'd like to return to being more creative. I'm not completely sure what that means or what that looks like. And I think that is giving me not trouble in my job search, but it's just, I'm taking more time and being more considerate with each posting that I'm looking at and each application that I send out and cover letter I write than I might've been before because I'm more in the process of saying no to things than I've ever been. And I think that feels uncomfortable, but it also means that I've learned about myself. And I know that that's a lot of a result of having taken this time. Okay. What do you think about the notion of work that energizes you versus work that takes energy away from you? Do you think that if the tasks that you do are things that you really enjoy and more part of you as as an identity, that you can actually work longer? Or do you think that everyone has a certain limit in terms of the amount of work that they can do? I think it's both. I think it's both. I think that I both, I, I, so when I say nine to five, that doesn't mean that I'll never work outside that nine to five box. If I really, if it's a project I'm really passionate about and a job I'm passionate about, maybe let's say it's at a startup and it's just me and one other person, but it's for a cause I really care about. I, I think I should be able to have, I think that excitement will be able to feel me through a lot. And it has in the past. I've certainly, there have been times in my jobs where I was excited and I had that energy. But I also think even for the people who are, who completely love their jobs and are very excited, you still need to put in a little limit for yourself or you burn out. I think being on social media now, I'm look, I'm still feeling these twinges of envy when I see people that seem to be very high activity. They're running marathons and they're this and that on top of everything they're doing. And I envy them, but then I remember that there's probably something that they're not addressing. There's something that they could be spending a little more time on as well. You can both love your job and need a break from your job. I think living in New York actually teaches you that. I love New York, but I love New York because when I leave New York, it's every experience I have is so interesting and exotic. Even just like going outside of the city seems interesting because it's so different. But then eventually I end up usually wanting to go back to New York. And so that's how I know, I think that I, I love New York, at least right now. We'll see after this quarantine situation plays out. But yeah, you can absolutely love your job, but you have to make time to take breaks, especially when you don't think you need them. When you think you're oh, I'm fine. I'm tired, but I'm fine. I don't know. I I tend to think you're not being completely honest with yourself. Most people haven't ever really taken off a week just to stay at home and sleep and catch up on things. I think most, a lot of people, especially very ambitious people, what's the word, really critique themselves for taking any sort of breaks. It doesn't come naturally to just sit around and do nothing or do very little. It's just a feeling of I'm not being productive enough. Why didn't I do more with my day off? That's the conversation I have a lot with people still having it. And it's a feeling that I'm still fighting and struggling with, but yeah. What would you say is purposeful work for you? Work, work that has meaning that you, you, and also that you might be excited about, because you mentioned earlier that if you're working for a startup, for example, and it's something yeah. that meant something to you, then you might put in a little bit more time for that and have more energy for it. What would that be like for you? Uh, I think it's work that uh, builds communities between people. And, and so I think when I say sh- storytelling, some of that is, it can be as literal as sharing people's stories, but also using social media to better connect communities of people so that they there's more empathy, more goals are being accomplished. Even right now, like I'm, I'm idling, but I'm keeping busy by making sure that reaching out to my local yoga studio from my hometown and because they're now having to move online and seeing if there's any sort of strategy help they might need. Or I have a friend who's starting up plant business because she lost her some of her restaurant work and she has a son and I can see what her talents are and how to translate them to social just trying to pitch it in that way and I'm now thinking about that and how to pivot that I think more towards consulting work but I think it's that connection yeah and I, I think also writing for me like I when I I, lo- I knew I wanted to write an article about burnout at some point 
it, it took me a while to write it because I wanted to really mean it, you know, really feel what you're, what you feel coming out of that. And that process has been really gratifying actually and putting that article out into the world and having people respond to me and write to me about their own burnout makes me feel a little better too because it makes me feel a little less alone because I'm, I may be writing the article that I'm still it's still scary and it can it you know, doesn't stop being a little scary but having those conversations being able to open them that means a lot to me I just haven't quite figured out concretely what job title best matches that. And I don't know that it's going to, it might take me 10, 20. I may never, there may never just be one title. I may just keep evolving, but I think that's okay. And that's where I'm at is accepting that that's good and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You have a direction that you're, you're going towards. It, it doesn't have to be a like, perfect thing. Exactly. Yeah. Coming out of this time, because I purposefully with this time, I knew after I quit my job that I didn't really also financially, I didn't think that I could travel, but I also knew that I needed to just rest and I needed to figure out what it would feel like to just have no alarms in the morning and to not have huge looming tasks. So I could just recalibrate my body and my brain. And I, I don't think when people take off time or quit their jobs that they spend as much time doing that as they maybe could be doing or perhaps should be doing in a way. I'm not saying, I'm not knocking travel. I would have loved to have gone and of course, a month long vacation of a kind, but having that time where you're just sitting still and listening to yourself is really important because once you're, you listen to yourself and you better understand yourself, then even if whatever you want to do next isn't so concrete, you have a better ear for what you need. Whereas before you might've, you might be so burned out that you just aren't having the conversations you need to be having with yourself because you're tired and you're not in your best shape. So yeah, I think I'm in a better place to have those conversations with myself than ever before. So let's talk about like recovery from burnout. So it's been almost a year. Is that right? Just well, about nine, nine months now. Yeah. It's a little over nine months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, my last day off, or my first day off of work was July 4th. So July 3rd last year was when I was my last day at my job. And I was remote, of course. Yeah, that was a little and, surreal. Yeah. And, and so since then, you've done like a, a few freelance writing gigs. Is that right? Yeah, I've done some consulting, um, freelancing and writing. I've consulted with reporters and about social media and how to best use social media. And I've done just little consulting projects for people who are starting up their businesses, writing about burnout. And I don't know, just you're just doing all the retooling of my website and all the personal things that, that come along. Mm-hmm. But I've kept busy, but I think the first three and a half, four months, I really, I was just sleeping a lot. I would sleep yeah. in very late, 14 hours a day, I would be taking naps every afternoon. And I thought, is this going to go on forever? And about five or six months, I stopped napping as much. And then I got a therapist. And I also was keeping, this is not something that I can put on a resume, but I was keeping these very intense journals of my time. That was something I really wanted to do and that I'm continuing to do. So I was painting a lot and writing a lot. So that felt good for me as well. So I kept busy. I was also cooking, doing all these things I just had never had time to do. And oh, I, I hung something up in my apartment because I hadn't done that since like eight months or something. There was nothing in my living room. So yeah, I was keeping busy with some tasks, but in terms of finances, I had some savings, but also I, I, I am in debt to my parents for a very long time. Yeah. That part has not been easy. I have a lot of anxiety about that, but it's just a day by day. It's a day by day. anxiety. <laughs> it ebbs and it flows. I feel very privileged to have that lucky and fortunate and like it was necessary, but yeah, it's certainly my parent, my parents are retired. So it's a, yeah, it's not always easy. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd advise other men or women who are thinking about quitting their job due to burnout? Like what could they prepare for in order to to start that recovery process in a healthy way? 
Yeah. If you're, I think everyone's level of burnout is different, but if you're in a position where you're burned out, but you can last a little longer, especially again, given everything that's going on, I'm not encouraging everyone to just quit their jobs because I, there's not as much stability as there might've been a few months ago, even, but if you can save as much as you can, try to have some sort of a nest egg. Again, that's not going to be possible for everyone. But I think if you have any sort of ability to get assistance from your family or even from friends, and it's a conversation, it'll be a tough conversation. But if it's one that you're able to have, it's worth, I think it's worth having. Just, I just really think about your mental health and think about what if you don't take care of this long-term, is there a possibility you'll crash much later? And then the financial aspect of that will be far worse. And if you're also in a place, I felt like I was in a place where I was unmarried and I didn't have have children to consider. There weren't like, that wasn't in the mix as well. That's all, these are all things to take into consideration. But I think if quitting isn't feasible for you, which it isn't for everyone, then at least look to take, try and take more breaks or consider if you do have any time off, maybe not putting it towards a trip, which again, you may not be putting it towards a trip anytime too soon. But even when you're able to think about taking that time to just have a day where you just do what you want to do. And if you don't do everything you want to do, that's okay too. Creating more like intentionally more time like that for yourself that's unstructured and that isn't requiring anything of you. Putting that, trying to find space for that, I think is important. And it was something I wasn't doing before. So even if you're not able to completely pull the plug on a job, because not everyone is just being more mindful of that, that you need that. Obviously you've, you quit on July 4th last year. So you've had a, a little bit more time to work out how to rebalance your life and and I guess what's important as well for your physical you know well-being and mental well-being mm-hmm. there's a lot of people now that are in like you they're in the lockdown period of uh, the coronavirus and they're starting to reflect they're starting to think okay I'm not in my job all the time now like I might have been before from what you've learned over the last few months what would you say for people who are now in lockdown to do with their time in order to maybe rebalance their life so that they take more time for their well-being what would yeah. you say to them i think just just take a moment really take a moment i definitely see an impulse to rush to do activities and to fill schedules with lots of zoom catch-ups with people and zoom exercise classes and bread baking and they're all which is Great. Puzzling. There's just, there's like all of these things selling out. And I think that some of these things are just people feeling anxious and wanting to fill that anxiety with an activity, which is completely fine. But I guess consider just having time where you're not on your phone, you're not on, you're not watching TV. And some of these activities are great. I think like cooking is a good one. Reading a book. (laughs) A paper book maybe would be a good one. All of these activities that seem kind of quaint and nostalgic, maybe he's trying to not think of them as being quaint and nostalgic and just quarantine activities that you could actually just continue to keep in your life. So maybe think of this time as a time where you start working on these, building these habits that are more self-focused. Maybe it's, maybe you want to run or start doing yoga or these things all, they all sound like self-carry, which I feel self-conscious about, but I think even though there's a very corporate self-care idea with skincare and sheet masks and things, it's still the fundamentals are there. There's still good structure. So like activities, looking for activities, looking to build activities and habits that you can continue to carry on with you through this time and hopefully transitioning to whatever is to come. Because I think whatever is happening in the future, there will be beauty, but it's going to be tough too. And so taking that time to maybe start a daily journal practice even, or basically it builds down to you want to build habits that you can keep with you through this and habits that bring you back to yourself a bit more. Even if you're living with someone, like making sure you take that time away from your roommate or your partner to just 
do something for yourself that's not involving a screen of some kind. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned in our previous conversation that you, you love the book. I think it's called How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I love that book. I Recommended um, by Barack Obama. Barack Obama, yeah, it's one yeah, of his. Yeah. That's not where I was reading the book and then he recommended it and I felt very proud of myself. I think she's an art professor at a college and she's writing about basically the how to do nothing. It's resisting the attention economy. The attention economy being all of the screens that you own. So the fact that you could sit in, like I'm sitting in my living room right now and there's a TV. I have a computer. I have a phone. I could have some sort of an iPad around too. And all of these screens are constantly competing for your attention. And everywhere you go, they're competing for your attention. And for some people, there may be this feeling of what screw screens, I'm going to give it all up. I'm going to run away and join a commune or start a commune. But she talks about how running away and starting a commune, which I think of as like the bread baking, doesn't solve the problem. And it's not, it doesn't solve the problem for most people because not everyone can run and join a commune. So she talks about this idea of resisting the attention economy and looking for like a third space and creating a third space. So it means that you have to be the one to say, okay, I'm putting my phone down at this time and I'm not, I'm going to respect the limits that I set the apps in my phone or like I charge my phone in a different room from the one I sleep in so that I have to get out of bed and I'm not in my bed reading my phone for hours. Creating those kinds of habits yourself consciously, it's inviting you or to be the one who makes those decisions for yourself because companies are not going to do that. And Apple's not going to do that. They're not going, they want you to use their, your phone as much as possible. So the only person who can really stop you is you. And that's, that's basically the gist of it. But I think she also talks about how in general, it's just hard for people to do nothing. Like they don't know what that means. And we're always trying to fill it as opposed to just sitting that feels somehow more uncomfortable for most people than many things which is funny in a way yeah so do you do you think being able to disconnect and, and setting routines and habits to disconnect maybe every day or at least several times a week that can help with preventing burnout especially there's a lot of people that I've spoken to previous interviews as well that said I was connected 24/7 because I was working in a global organization and I was on call all the time. Yeah. Is that the power of those habits of, of disconnecting? How important do you think that is to prevent burnout in the future for you? I think they're crucial. And I, I think more people have to start doing it. I think it's like the idea of wearing a mask right now. Like in New York, it's, it's enforced, but some people aren't doing it. And you want to say, just wear the mask for yourself too, for everyone else as well. And it has that effect. I think you don't realize how much limiting your access to that will impact the way you interact with other people as well and the kind of interactions that you're looking to have. And hopefully they're a bit more meaningful. But I think people underestimate how much burnout there comes from screens. I also think we haven't had them long enough that we really know the long-term impacts on our health of having phones and you know computers and being so on i can say i think my memory is not the same as it would be if i didn't have my phone to memorize all phone numbers for me and to answer all questions we're certainly reliant in a way but also just mentally we're reliant i think it means that our brains are not quite as sharp as they could be in a way again don't i'm not a neurologist don't quote me on that but i'm like more than certain more i'm quite certain there are studies that back me up on this or that will back me up on this in the future yeah i think it's just this underlying an undercurrent it's an undercurrent and everything and i think that how to do nothing book gets on this subject as well but it's it's like you can't like i can't read a whole book right now i'll be honest i haven't finished the last fourth of how to do nothing because I can't, my attention span is so shot that every time I sit down to read it, I go, oh man, I can't read this book and play music at the same time because that's against the book. And so then I end up, I just keep getting distracted and I'm like, oh, the irony that I can't finish this book about how I can't finish this book. Yeah. It's like our attention spans are so shot. So it's like almost like a muscle that we have to work on building back up. And the way that you would 
train for a race as a runner, it's like we have to train our attention spans to back to what they were. They're never going to go back to the way they were, were when we were much younger. But yeah, I think it's the impact of screens and social media burnout is, is huge. Yeah. I think burnout existed always for people, but because my parents might say we were burned out. Tough luck. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't have phones. You didn't have all of these demands at all times. You didn't have constant messaging about things you should be doing and events you're missing out on and things you should participate in. So it's a lot. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think was, has been surprising for you since you've you know, gone through burnout? I remember you, you mentioned about some things were just too much. Even things like meditation were actually stressing you out. At the yeah, time. I think what I I think I went in thinking. I remember I said, "Oh, I, I just it'll take about three months, and then I'll have another job." I really did not have a sense of how tired I was. I think, yeah, I anticipated that I would be much higher functioning, much faster. And I think for again, it's burnout can be different for different people. But for me, it was so deep that felt like almost for each job that I'd had, I had to sleep for a month. So after the end of the three months at three major places I'd worked, I kind of could sleep. I slept them out and then I got a therapist and then I started that. So I've been in therapy for, I don't know, five or six months now, which has been very helpful and just started having conversations about things that I hadn't thought about in years. But yeah, I didn't anticipate how long this would take. And yet it's getting to the point where it's maybe a little uncomfortable, especially given all the news. But then at the same time, I'm finally starting to just feel very confident in myself in a way that I wasn't nine months ago. And I could continue like this and still, I think, continue growing. So, and meditating, I'm still not meditating every day. Like I want to be, I'm saying meditating maybe four times a week is better. And so we'll see how long it takes to get me to every day. But yeah, it's taken me a very long time also to be able to tell myself that it's okay that I don't meditate every day. No one really, no one cares. It's just me. So once you've gone through burnout, how do you plan your time uh, to to actually find more balance with things that you love? Just thinking about what are the things that I really need in my life at all times? Uh, What are my non-negotiables basically? Maybe it's I need to exercise twice a week or once a week, or I need to be able to see my family every three months or what, what are those things? And once you have a better sense of those things, I think then you can try and make more time for those things. But I think we can easily, we can casually say, oh, family is important to me or exercise and these things are important to me. But if you don't sit down and get a lay of the land and have that conversation with yourself, it's harder to figure out how to schedule that, that time in for yourself. So I think do that first. And then, then you can look at your job and think, what of those things am I able to get done? It might be none of the things. And if that's the case, can I have a conversation with my manager or are there way, are there things that I can delegate to other people? Are there, which some people are not great at delegating, that that's something to learn. Are there tasks that I feel strongly about, but if someone else does it and it's not perfect and it gets done, will I get more sleep and be able to accomplish one of my goals? Looking for ways to create more space for yourself. I think sometimes we think with our jobs, no, it has to be me or things will be terrible if I don't get it done or if it's not this way. And it's like, is that the hill you want to burn out on? Think about that. Is that your hill that you want to burn out on? That's fine. But maybe that's the question you should be asking yourself more. Does this really, do we really care about this spreadsheet or whatever it is? It's probably more than a spreadsheet, but you can fill that in. (laughs) How did people get in touch with you? And um, who would you like to kind of hear from? Barack Obama. No, um, uh, Michelle. We'll see Obama. if we can arrange that. Yeah. No, I am Malia, and his daughter is named Malia. And I <laughs> feel like we can talk about that. I have a website, it's maliagriggs.com. There is a little contact bubble which people can reach out to me through. You can, always, you can reach out to me through social media as well. I'll check my messages, but I'm in a phase wherein I might deactivate some accounts for a bit. So probably more reliable for my website. I have people send me like career questions, which 
I shouldn't open myself up too much to that, but it's interesting to get into. And if you're feeling burned out and you really don't, you feel like you don't have anyone in your life that understands that, you can reach out to me. I, I certainly understand that. Also, if you don't have someone in your life that you can talk to about burnout, that's something we should, you should think about. That's something we should discuss. Really though, yeah, I guess people who are burned out. Uh, also, just if you have, oh, if you're like a young, like a young journalist as well, or someone who's entering it, considering working on social media and is curious about it, I'm happy to respond because I think I didn't, it just, I didn't think I was going into social media when I graduated college because that wasn't, it wasn't really a thing. And if I could go back and tell younger me or 22 year old me, I'd probably say, just take it easy. And remember, you do not have to put everything on social media. Not everything needs to be an article. You do not have to put everything on the internet. In fact, maybe consider just having a lot of experiences that are not ones you catalog. Yeah, young people. I'm young, but younger than me people. Recent graduates from college I like talking to. I also just feel bad right now because it's a rough time. It's a rough time to be coming out of school. So, yeah. For sure. Any final reflections or thoughts about burnout that you wanted to share with with the community? Just take breaks and try to be kind to yourself. I think Instagram is killing messaging like that right now, but it's very true. And what kindness looks like is different for different people. But for me, I find it's just giving myself a break and, and being a friend to myself. I'm working on that right now, especially since I'm one of the people who lives alone during this time. As my only roommate, I'm working on being a decent roommate, one I can live with. And I think that's a good goal for many people. And hopefully, whether or not quitting your job is the thing that gets you there, even just starting to think about that as a concept, I think is good. And is one that I've been thinking a lot about a lot during this time, about how to be a friend to yourself and what that friendship looks like. So yeah, just think about that. Meditate on that's, that. Or don't meditate. That's, that's, fine. You know. <laughs> or don't meditate. It's okay. Don't meditate. I mean, meditate is good, but like, I think everyone is, associates it with like too many things. And I'm like, just close your eyes and take some, try to take some deep breaths and just try to relax. Yeah. It's an interesting concept about being a friend to yourself. And I know that there's the whole idea of if you love yourself, then other people will love you in relationships. But being a friend to yourself, it sparks thoughts about how does that impact how you are with employers who are very demanding. If you, The more you become a friend to yourself and you recognize your yeah. own personal interests, your own mental well-being, your own physical mm-hmm. well-being, mm-hmm. how does that change you as a person so that you respond differently if there are huge demands on social media, huge demands on from your employer, how can that change that dynamic? So that's something to, to maybe think about. What's, what I are mean, your thoughts yeah. on that? When you become a friend to yourself and when you learn how to listen to yourself and how to have conversations with yourself, and also, you know, and, and just like a friend, you don't always have to love yourself and you also don't have to hate yourself all the time either. You can just be okay with certain things and realize that you're a human. And once you have those conversations and are able to more realistically lay out your needs, it's much easier, I think, to have conversations with your managers and your coworkers about what's acceptable to you and what's not. And I think actually a big thing about quitting your job is that once you quit your job, or I assume this is going to be the case for me, you realize you can do it again. So when you're in a meeting and like there a job is you voice what you need and the job repeatedly again is not able to you know fulfill those needs but you can just you can quit and you'll be okay because you've become that friend to yourself at least mentally and emotionally again separate from finances but and hopefully maybe part of being a friend to yourself is about learning how to budget a little better learning how to be more fiscally responsible maybe being a friend to yourself is saying Nope, don't quit your job. This is not the time. You want to pull the plug? This is not, you have a team to support, whatever it is. But yeah, I think it makes, it makes you not, it makes you, it should make you more employable, but it will make you a better employee, hopefully. Even thinking as a manager to people that I managed, I think that if they, if they had been better friends to themselves in certain ways, we could have gotten more done and more accomplished because they wouldn't have been afraid to come to me and say, 
I'm tired or this thing is burning me out or it's, it, so it applies both to yourself, but also to maybe the people you work with, the people you manage. So if you do manage people or you are a coworker to someone, reminding them to take a moment, reminding them this is a, just a job. Right now it's more than just a job, but everything is through that lens. But it is also just a job. And it goes yeah. back to that whole thing of you are not your job. If your job was- is a thing that's paying your, you need to pay your bills, Absolutely. But remind, if you can remind yourself that you are not your job, that means you can start making more time, conscious time, taking that time away from your screens, away from your job, just for yourself. And some of it's just make 30 minutes a day to do that one that you want to do for you or one hour a week or whatever it is. You can start small. There's no, it can be five minutes. I think we get overwhelmed by how large and daunting this seems. It can be small. And the evidence of that is that I can't seem to meditate every day. And yet I could just meditate for five minutes and that could be the time. And every time I do it, I think, yeah, this could be. So I've worked my way up to several times a week. We get overwhelmed. And so we forget that five minutes can just be five minutes. And then, oh, and I think an important thing too, is to take a moment to congratulate yourself or thank yourself for your, any sort of achievements, whether they're big or small. So maybe you meditate for the day, meditate for the day. It might be five minutes, but say to yourself, good, I I meditated today. And I, that's not something that I do every day, but I did that one thing. It was five minutes, but go me. It's okay to feel that. I think another part of burnout, which I think we haven't discussed, but part of burnout is that we're constantly rushing and rushing means we're also overlooking our own milestones and successes because it never feels like enough. And I think some of that's driven by social media and FOMO, feeling like you need to do more and be more. And so even when something good happens or when you accomplish something that took you a long time, you don't always celebrate it because you don't know to create that space. So creating that space, again, it's an act of intention. It doesn't feel like it, but sometimes you have to intentionally stop and celebrate those sorts of achievements big or small. So yeah, otherwise it contributes to burnout longer term. Yeah. I guess my final thought is like your identity is so important to people that, that think they are their job. That's going to consume them because that, you know, that all of their mental energy and, and effort is going to be around that. As you said, if you start to be a friend to yourself, almost that's a job as well. You can actually create a job. I am a friend to myself and I'm going to allocate time at, to be a friend to myself, I'm yes. going to allocate time in another job to, to do this social media director job. I can allocate time in another job to be a cook. I can allocate time to be a cat owner. And you know, So rather than having a, an identity of my life is director of social media, it's no, my life is many job descriptions and I'm going to put enough focus in each of those to have that balance that I need and to fit to have an authentic life is that something that you you that resonates with you yes I think I'm not a brand and the difference is that a brand is you're constantly trying to market everything including your flaws and a person you're removing that marketing which I think is similar to removing the the attention span element it's removing capitalism (laughs) removing capitalism yeah but it, it just remembering that you're a person, you're not your Instagram, your account, you're not your job. You can, and sometimes I think part of that's, we don't always know how to say no to things. And we don't always say no to things for ourselves. So that can include maybe your best friend wants to have a Zoom date with you soon and you're really tired and it's been a long week and that's not what you need. Saying no might be what you, the person needs, what you as a friend need for yourself. Or it might be that you really need that conversation with your friend because that friend will help you. Having that conversation with yourself about, is this what I need? Can I say no kindly? That's part of it too. The huge power of of being able to say no and pushing back, not just in your job, but in many areas of your personal life. Many areas. Yeah, I'm already feeling that with all of, with the Zoom culture where, and I'm like, whoa, 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 I am now doing more things than I normally did before. Uh, I now have a more of a social life, but it's, 
people have a hard time saying no, because I think a lot of us are just trying to please other people or don't want to let anyone down. But I think sometimes you can be a better friend if you are a friend to yourself first, or at least equally to your other friends. I'm sure I know that the way I was when I was in my job, I wasn't seeing my friends. When I was seeing my friends, I was very jaded and bitter about things, very Debbie Downer. I'm still a little Debbie Downer because I read the news, but when you're really embedded in the news, every conversation is just depressing. But I know I wasn't pleasant to be around and part of, and I really value that part of myself that is a friend. And part of the burnout quitting process conversation was me remembering that I'm not able to be a good friend to other people because I'm not able to be a friend to myself. And I can't, yeah, I, uh, that's not, that's a non-negotiable for me. So yeah, that was definitely a part of it as well. There's so many benefits to being a friend. It's called self-partnership, allegedly working in an article about it, but yeah, I'm, it's taken me some time, but yeah, it's like just being a good partner to yourself, essentially. It's just so you can be a better partner to everyone else. It's like crazy that this is a revolutionary idea, I think, for some people who are used to putting everyone else first. Which is why they find it so difficult to say no. Yeah. And yeah, I sometimes I want my friends to say no. Just please do take that time. I need you to take more time for yourself. That's where I'm feeling several friends right now. Please take more time so that we can be better. Go, You go figure out yourself and what you need, and then we can have a clearer conversation, which translates to work as well. So many people, I'm like, just go and have that conversation and then get back to me so that tell me what you actually need so we can keep moving. Yeah. Malia, thank you so much for, for an awesome interview. And just I, I just love how open and honest you are about your whole experience both reading your articles about burnout, speaking to you now, and just your reflections as well. I think it's so valuable for, for people watching and listening to, to identify any kind of symptoms they might have from burnout and also what to expect if you do leave your job or if you want to start rebalancing and reprioritizing things, you know, what you can do, practical things that you can do. So Really, really thank you so much for that. And yeah, what's next? What's next for, for you now? I don't know. And I think that's fine. I don't think any of us know. And mm -hmm. we're spending way too much time pretending that we know when we don't. We're all living in a time of uncertainty now. So you might as well try and get as comfortable as possible with uncertainty as you can, because it's not going away for a bit. So mm -hmm. fighting it doesn't, doesn't really help. But yeah, I don't know. And we'll see. Yeah, I'll just keep just keep chugging along. Keep having conversations like this, I think, as well. They're very, they're helpful for me. And every time I have any of them. And yeah, so thank you for having me. And I'm excited to see where this goes. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. I absolutely loved that conversation with Malia. Look, if you're experiencing any of the issues that we discussed today regarding burnout, speak to someone. Don't stay on a downward spiral. You do have a choice to do something about it. Speaking to someone, whether it's me or Malia or your loved ones, your boss, your friends, your family, whoever you feel comfortable to speak to, that's your next step. Now, one issue I keep hearing from clients is being unhappy and stressed because of their work week. Things feel overwhelming. There's not enough time to focus on what's important. Your health, your relationships, your family, your passions, you've left buried away for years. Remember, your job is not your life. But if you enjoy it and it energizes you, great. But if not, in the short term at least, you can work out what parts of your week are draining you and which parts you would like to do more of. And just taking one or two hours at some point to figure out why you're burning out, why you might be on a downward spiral, is time very well spent. Now, as a certified career transition coach and also a neuro-linguistic programming NLP trainer, I can gently support you to communicate within, with your unconscious mind. So whatever you decide to do, it reflects the real you. 
So if you like this episode and you would like to speak with me directly in a video call, book in a free 20 minute consultation and I'll help you deal with that feeling of overwhelm. So you can at least take a breath and think about how to address the symptoms of burnout you may be experiencing. And then afterwards, if you like, we can discuss a deep dive coaching session that will map out your work week and find one to three areas that you can change to make a big positive difference to your life. Just go to burnfromwithin.com forward slash call, that's C-A-L-L, for that first free step, a 20 minute call with me, and let me help you shift from burnout so you can start to burn from within. Until next time, live with passion, purpose, and balance, and burn from within.